you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. We've been uh, reading together the last um, chapter of John. In, in the Gospel of John, after Jesus comes back from the dead, uh, it, it doesn't end right away. Uh, there are a few people uh, who, uh, who are kind of stuck. <laughs> uh, and it's people that you wouldn't expect. It's people that had followed uh, Jesus for a very long time, for the three years on earth, that had seen amazing things. And even though he rose from the dead, uh, there are, are these stories of these, these two individuals that just aren't uh, quite ready to move forward. Um, and, and for some reason, John includes this in this last chapter of John and, and the chapter before. We talked about Thomas stuck in unbelief and the desire to be certain before he could take any steps. Uh, last week, we, we heard the story of Peter stuck in his failure in the past, the way he failed Jesus right before he was crucified. And this week is one more uh, scripture about Peter. Uh, Peter is stuck. He's asking a question, but what about him? Uh, so as, as Braden read, um, right after Peter confesses his love for Christ three times, uh, right after he says, yes, Lord, I love you, and Jesus says, then feed my lambs, Jesus uh, gives him something that most of us, the vast majority of us, never get. Jesus gives him a picture at where following him is going to lead Peter, doesn't he? He says, uh, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Now, this might sound like something uh, that happens to all people as they get older, as people make choices for you that you don't like. But in this case, the people that are making choices for Peter are, are, are Roman officers uh, and, and, and people like that. Because uh, Jesus says, uh, it says 19, that Jesus said this to indicate the death by which Peter would glorify God. Uh, so, so Jesus says, someday, uh, right now, a few minutes ago, Peter just swam back from the boat uh, in the Sea of Galilee. Jesus says, you're not always going to be swimming from the boat to the fire. Someday, when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Uh, Jesus is telling Peter that it's not going to be happily ever after for you following me. Uh, uh, and then at the end of that, he says, this is where it's going, and then Jesus says, instead, uh, still, he says, follow me, and so Peter, he does um, what I think all of us would do in a moment like that. He immediately turns and sees another disciple a little ways back on the road, and he says, okay, fine, Jesus, but what about, what about him? <laughs> uh, that's what happens to me, but, but what what happens to, uh, to John? Uh, Peter asks, what about him? And Jesus answered, of course, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? As for you, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. And Peter says, but, but what about, about him? 
Lord. I, I think Peter, he's got good reasons to ask. You know, Jesus gives him a, a peek at a not-so-good life ending. You know, Peter, Peter picked Jesus to follow. He saw Jesus do these amazing miracles, come back from the dead. If you're Peter, uh, you're hoping your future includes uh, uh, wealth and throne and, and rulership. And instead, Pete, uh, Jesus says, you're going to be led to a cross, Jesus says, Peter, if you dedicate your life to feeding my lambs, it ends on, on a cross. Uh, you know, no wonder uh, people uh, choose a different story than, than that one. Uh, but, but what I love about Scripture, what I love about, about God's Word, is that um, Peter, Peter answers just exactly how I would answer, right? He doesn't say uh, yes or no to Jesus. He doesn't ask how this will happen or what can be done. Can I change it? He just asks, what about him? What will happen to John? Will he uh, face a cross too? Because I can do it if I know that it's not going to work out for him either. And, and we don't know for sure, right? We don't know for sure what's going on here with Peter. We don't know what's going on in his head. You know, we're just speculating. You know, maybe he's afraid about his future. Um, maybe uh, Peter has some pride, you know, in his place as, as this special, you know, first of the pack disciple of Jesus, and he thinks, well, if that's going to happen to me, I want to make sure that uh, something else hard happens to everybody else. Maybe um, it's like hints of envy, you know, uh, at least that's what I hear in it. You know, he wants to make sure, we all want to make sure that somebody else doesn't get it better than us. Maybe it's like when I ask, um, um, foster to do something, and he says, but, but, what, but you're not doing that, but what about Axel? <laughs> I'm like, well, Axel can't do that yet, Foster. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's like that. Um, I know when I ask this question, when I find myself asking, but Lord, what about them? Um, usually, I'm uh, kind of doing the three, the three C's. Um, I'm, I'm comparing myself to others, uh, Either, either favorably or unfavorably. I'm criticizing others. It's a way of criticizing others, or I'm perhaps trying to control others. Uh, because, I, at least for me, when I'm asking that question, what about them, um, what I want to do is bring the focus off of God's attention and voice and call and challenge on me, and remind him that there are plenty of others that aren't following God as well as I am, so why don't you focus on, on them? Or, or I want to say, well, I am trying to forgive. I am trying to be faithful. But, but what about those people over there that are saying that or doing, or doing this, you know, um, uh, to build myself up? Or finally, oftentimes when I'm asking what about them, it's, it's about control, right? I I have my own problems, and instead of dealing with them, I convince myself that if, if I could stop them from acting that way, then I would be better off. Um, compare, criticize, control. And, and always, no matter what, at least in my case, when I'm asking, Lord, what about them? Lord, why is it that um, that friend has this amazing job and just bought this new house and this new truck? Or, or why, Lord, is, is that uh, friend able to go on that amazing vacation? Um, oftentimes, uh, as I put my focus on them 
and what they should do or what they should think or, or if only they would improve their lives or, or how much I feel like I deserve what they have instead of what I have, it distracts me. It distracts me from the things in front of me, right? When we put our focus on what somebody else is doing right or wrong, what somebody else has good or bad, or, or what we think somebody else ought to be doing for us, um, it's a great way to bring all of our attention onto somebody else who's the problem, and instead of the things in our own lives and in our own selves that we have control over. Um, we compare, criticize, and control rather than looking at at my own responses to people and my own situations. Um, instead of looking at whether or not I'm following God faithfully, regardless of, of what they're doing wrong. And, and I, love, uh, I love this passage of Scripture. I love this part of John. Because in and, and all three of these unstuck moments, you know, with Thomas stuck in unbelief, with, with Peter uh, stuck in, in the, the failure of his past, and now with Peter stuck comparing himself to others. What I love about this is that in each of these cases, when Jesus shows up in his presence, um, he is not surprised <laughs> by Peter's response. And, and he doesn't yell at Peter either. He doesn't condemn Peter's response. He doesn't say, Peter, stop thinking that way. Instead, he says something else. Jesus isn't surprised, and so it reminds me, and, and if you're ever someone that brings the focus off of yourself and puts all of your focus on what other people have or don't have or are doing right or doing wrong, you can be like me and take some grace that when Jesus catches us in that, he doesn't say, you idiot. No. He responds, um, differently. He's not shocked that Peter missed the command. Jesus isn't surprised that Peter is stuck, focused on what other people should do better, and he's not surprised when we get stuck pointing our fingers at somebody else who needs to change before I can work on myself. Uh, because um, our distractions, <laughs> they, don't, they don't work on Jesus. Jesus sees us with our finger pointed, and he knows what we're doing. He's not surprised that we're acting like human beings, and, and he's not surprised that Peter is stuck on this. Instead of focusing on them, when John, or when Peter says, what about him? Uh, and instead of condemning Peter, uh, Jesus responds frankly. He directs Peter, his beloved child, back to the true path. Jesus answers, uh, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Uh, Peter, or Jesus isn't shocked that Peter's stuck on this because Peter's human. This is what we do. We compare, we criticize, we, we point our telescopes at someone else's sin to bring the focus off of our own we spend our lives comparing to convince ourselves that while we may not be perfect, at least we're not them. It's hard to walk our own path sometimes. It's hard to keep our eyes off our neighbor's work and calling and the joys of their lives that we're constantly comparing to our own. Uh, and so Jesus doesn't condemn Peter. He doesn't criticize him. He doesn't say stop it. He just answers plainly. He says, Peter, you must follow me. He says, Peter, it doesn't matter what's going to happen to John. 
It doesn't matter if I let him live until I return, because for you, I have a path for you. Uh, You must follow me. He says, Peter, or Todd, or Andy, or Aaron, they are not your problem. They are not up to you. Their behavior, good or bad, what they have, good or bad, is not up to you. You must follow me. But Lord, what about those people that uh, are, are doing things that I don't like? Well, you must follow me. But Lord, if I forgive them, won't they take advantage of me? And Jesus says, you must follow me. But Lord, if I'm too nice to them, won't they think that I agree with them, their behavior or whatever? Todd, you must follow me. But Lord, why does it seem like their life is so easy and my life is so difficult? Lord, what about when they hurt me or say the wrong thing or haven't apologized for the thing they did wrong to me? What about when they have a nice house and a nice truck and I can barely pay for my credit card bills? But Lord, you must follow me. Jesus uh, knows us. He knows that if he answered every question we have about somebody else, if he, if he showed up and, and worked in that situation, that family member that you can't get along with, and all of a sudden they were better and they apologized and they came clean, Jesus knows that it wouldn't fix whatever problem it is inside of us. Jesus knows that we're going to look at somebody else, and so he responds to us with the only thing that we can do with our time, because we can't change other people. We can't control what happens to other people in our criticisms and our frustrations with them uh, don't get us very far. But what we can do is follow him or not. Don't worry about them. You must follow me. And that is, is what the Christian faith is, is all about. Um, <clears throat> the early church, they called themselves uh, not a church. Church just meant gathering. In Acts, they, they ta- called themselves followers of the way. Uh, people that are walking in the way, uh, the people that followed Jesus to begin with, his students that we call disciples, uh, the thing that separated them from everyone else wasn't uh, that they knew the whole story, wasn't that they understood everything about where Jesus was going or what Jesus was doing. In fact, they were wrong all the time. What separated a disciple uh, from everybody else um, was if they were following Jesus or not. And when we say in the church today uh, about, when we say, you know, it's about believing in Jesus, it's about having a relationship, uh, it's true, right? And that relationship is a relationship of a follower and a son or daughter of God. Uh, Oftentimes we get confused in the church, and and I I find myself there too, and I hear people all the time uh, get confused. We think um, of following Jesus, we think being a Christian is all about whether or not one time in our life we prayed a prayer. Or other Christians will say, it's really about if you have the right opinions about uh, these doctrines. Some Christians will tell you it's about having the right opinions about politics. That makes you a Christian. Some people think if you go to church, that makes you a Christian. Some people think if they read the Bible a lot and memorize a lot of scripture, that makes them a Christian. But the real question isn't what you think. It isn't what you know. It isn't um, where you go on Sunday mornings or who you vote for. 
It's, do you believe in Jesus enough to follow him? In the church, uh, one word for this is being a disciple. And so at, at Bethel, when we say uh, we're a place where we want to grow in our love for God, our love for others, and make disciples of all nations, we mean that we want to be a place where people meet Jesus and learn to follow him. Uh, being a disciple uh, is really simple. It's a fancy word, right? It's, it's simply trusting somebody to lead you wherever they're going to lead you. <laughs> um, uh, not long after I started here, uh, he's, he's not here, so I'll mention him. Uh, Andrew Johnson, a, a member of this church uh, that's off, uh, doesn't live here anymore, but he came back to, to visit, and he invited me to go fishing with him on the Trimbell. And, and all of you that grew up here probably know the land pretty well, but I just basically know Double K and 63 and the places that I need to drive to get to so-and-so's house. And so he took me fishing uh, just, just right over there, right? Not, not 10 miles from my house. And I noticed when we arrived at the drop-off that my phone had no service, and I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And so I turned it off, and I just started following Andrew. And we walked uh, around the creek and through all these bushes in the river and stuff, and it didn't take long before I realized that I had absolutely no idea where I was. <laughs> in fact, I realized that if something, Lord forbid, had happened to Andrew... <laughs> I would not have known where to go. I mean, I probably would have just picked a direction and started walking. I'm already terrible with directions. Um, and that's what it means sometimes to be a disciple. Uh, I, I trusted Andrew to bring me back to my car. Uh, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have walked after him. It's like when a friend uh, takes you somewhere and, and you're stuck. You depend on them. If Andrew had decided, uh, you know, if this was some long plan to, like, take care of Pastor Todd and nobody would ever know what happened to him, he, he could have done that and, and nobody would have ever found me, I'm convinced, <laughs> even though I was only five miles away from my house. Um, when you follow someone, you're stuck trusting them to lead you, aren't you? So being a disciple is, is like trusting Jesus to lead him where he wants to take you. And, and trusting Jesus, um, it it can't be done, uh, following Jesus, it, it can't be done really without trusting him. Um, but it's, it's so much more. Right? You, can't, you can't follow Jesus without believing in him, right? You, you can't, but it's so much more than thinking the right thing about who God is or checking some, some mental box. It, it's in the following is, is made possible by the grace of God and his death and resurrection. But it's still risky, in fact, um, you might even say it's, it's, it's a little stupid to follow somebody if you don't believe in them, right? If I thought Andrew had never been uh, on these streams that he was taking me on, I would have not been very smart to follow him out there. If I thought Andrew secretly had something against me and wasn't going to let me come back home, <laughs> it wouldn't have been very smart to follow him, would it? And it's the same with Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, what we believe is, is that we can trust him in following him. Because when you follow Jesus, if you, if you read the scripture, he acts, asks us, he calls us, he invites us to take risks with our lives and our money and our families and our time uh, that make no sense unless 
you really think that you can trust Jesus to lead you in the right way and God to hold on to you. It's sort of like leaping out of a plane and trusting your parachute or hiking outside of cell phone range with someone you just met and not even leaving a note in case you didn't come home. It requires a lot of trust, trust that takes a lifetime to build. When we follow Jesus, we're constantly looking away. We're constantly comparing with somebody else, and, and he's constantly telling us, no, follow me. And it's hard because read, read the Gospels. Jesus calls us to turn the other cheek when someone wants to hurt us. He calls us to forgive the people that wronged us. He calls us to lend without asking to be repaid, to love people knowing that they won't love us back. And that's just a a fraction of the kinds of things he asks those who follow him to do. Ultimately, Jesus invites his followers, his disciples, to follow him all the way to the cross. Ultimately, to lay your life down. Sometimes on this earth, to lay your life down for someone else. Even when they don't deserve it. Because guess what? That's what he did for us. And if we're going to follow him, we're going to wind up going to the same kinds of places that Jesus went for people that don't deserve it. This is where Jesus leads us on this earth. It's to sacrifice. And it, it might not look just the same way as his sacrifice, but it will look like sacrifice. Um, following Jesus on earth does not lead to Lamborghinis and mansions. <laughs> the people that have acquired those things claiming to follow Jesus should ask who they're following. It doesn't lead us to prosperity or parking spaces close to the door. Not towards respect and prominence often. Not worldly success. It leads us towards sacrifice rather than comfort. Risk rather than security. If you want to be my follower, Jesus says, take up your cross. So now that I've, I've told you why it's such a terrible idea to follow Jesus as Lord, the question is, why would anyone do it? Because, right, it's, it's risky, it doesn't lead to wealth, it doesn't lead to worldly success, it doesn't lead to a good, perfect life. For Peter, one of the best disciples ever, it didn't lead to happily ever after. For him, it makes no sense. Even if Jesus is the best teacher, even if he's God, I don't know if it makes much sense to sacrifice your happiness, your success, your preferences, your wealth, your desires, the things that matter to you on this earth, Unless, unless one, uh, unless you believe three things. Unless you really believe, don't follow him, unless you really believe that Jesus knows you more than you know yourself. Don't follow unless you believe that Jesus knows you more than you know yourself, that he loves you more than you could even love yourself. And that he actually died and rose again from the dead. A couple of, one of my favorite uh, Bible verses about how Jesus knows us uh, comes from Psalm 139. And usually we just read this one as a proof text about about abortion, but it's actually, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, The author says, You have searched me, Lord, and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. 
You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You, Lord, know it completely. The psalmist remarks that the Lord, that God knows everything about you. He knows your dreams and your hopes, where you're going and what you're doing. And we'll skip down uh, to, that, to that verse that usually we only talk about uh, with like pro-life stuff, but, but it's even bigger than that. He says, verse 13, you, for you, created my inmost being. There is no part of you that God didn't have his hands on in creating. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He continues, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. Jesus knows you more than you know yourself. Jesus knows what your hopes are, what your dreams are. He knows what he made you for. So if you believe that he knows you, you can trust him to lead you, can't you? And of course, a perfect classic uh, you know, at the, at the wrestling match Bible verse, you know, John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died and rose for you. In verse 17, uh, God did not send his son into the world but to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Jesus knows who you are from the very bottom of your feet to the top of your head. He loved you enough to die on your behalf, and his resurrection means that whoever believes in Jesus, whoever's willing to believe him enough to follow, whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Uh, and, And this is why Peter Uh, followed Jesus to the cross. This is why when Jesus said, you must follow me, Peter didn't say, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to being a fisherman because the income potential is just way higher than um, pastor or shepherd. Uh, No, he does that because he knows that Jesus made him, that he knows him, that he loves him, and that even when he meets his end on the cross, that's not going to be the end of the story for Peter. Jesus be- or Peter believed in the resurrection. Because if you believe in those three things, if you believe in Jesus, you know, this is what you know, that you can afford to lay down uh, your rights. You can afford to lay down your life. You can afford to lay down your preferences and your comfort, your hopes and your dreams, even your best ideas, because you know that God knows what will really bring you life. Because you know that God wants to give you so much more life than you could possibly make for yourself, so much blessing in this life and in the kingdom to come, that your dreams and comforts now, that the things you wish you had, that your Lamborghinis on the moon will look like mud pies in comparison. Because you know that this life, if you believe what Jesus has said, that this life, the biggest losses, the biggest costs, the worst sacrifices, and the biggest failures that you've ever done, and the worst things you've ever said, and the biggest risks you might have encountered following Jesus, uh, even the cross that Peter faced, 
and the sacrifice that all of us are called to face will seem like a night in a bad hotel room when held against the eternal life that Christ is offering. I believe that Jesus speaks to us through Scripture in this passage, and I believe the Holy Spirit calls this to mind for us. I think he's still speaking to us. And he's saying uh, to uh, the church and to Christians and to those who believe in this divided world, in this world with plenty of, take a look at what they're doing to point out, with plenty of people to blame, with plenty of people to criticize and control. He's looking at us and saying, this is who I am. Don't worry about them. You must follow me. So may we stop comparing and criticizing and controlling others. May we take our eyes off of them and fix our gaze on him. Look away from what they, he, or she need to do better. What they have and what I don't have. How they failed us and how we wish they'd be different. If only they would act, then things would be okay. And instead, put our eyes on Jesus and follow him where he leads. And then we can ask, we can pray, we can come before our our God and we can listen to the Holy Spirit and we say, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? What is it that I should do? Lord, where are you leading me today? What steps do I need to take to heal this relationship today? What help do I need to uh, seek uh, with my mental health today? What do I need to do? What do I need to give up? Who do I need to call or listen to? Um, so that your kingdom might go forward, that you would lead me to. What person are you calling me to serve? What risk are you calling me to take? What truth do I need to hear? What way do I need to be challenged? And then we might let their masters lead them, and and we can let our master lead us. Would you pray with me? Lord, when we come to you with our questions, our struggles, and our doubts, you invite us to follow you and believe with our feet. When we come to you with our failures, our sin, our mistakes, things that we wish we would have done differently that we can't change now, Lord, you take them, you forgive us, and you say, why don't you come follow me? And when we come to you with our worries about tomorrow, our jealousy of others, our fear of others, our criticism, our frustration with others, when we want to put the focus on someone else, you gently invite us to follow you. And so, Lord, here we are. We admit our failure and our sin and the times that we've looked off the path and chased after other things instead of following you, the times that we've said that we've believed but haven't really believed, the reality that no matter how hard we try, we can't uh, solve ourselves or this world without your grace. We take all that sin, all that failure, and we hand it over to you because we know that you carried our sin to the cross. We believe that you died with it, And that when you rose again, uh, all who put their faith in you, all who believe in you, would be forgiven of those sins and be granted an eternal life and a resurrection to come.
We put our faith in you, Lord, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would lead us, would make us new, would deal with the issues that we have, and would keep us following you on the path that you've called us. Because that's, Lord, what it means to believe in your Son. We thank you for the abundant gift of grace. Grace that takes our sin and says you're forgiven. Grace that turns our hearts towards you and grace that makes us new. We thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.